Warning, the following program contains adult language, adult themes, and spoilers. Viewer discretion is advised. We call our food soul food. Cheers. This type of food, you can feel when you eat it. Ah, aroma. The truth is, a lot of American food has its roots in African-American food, traditions, and ingenuity. Can you see it already smells like mac and cheese? And welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I'm your host this week, Karen Randazzo, and wish, with me as always is a fisherman from a floating village, Chris Randazzo. I bless the rains down in Africa. Chef and author, Evan Goldstein. Rice, rice, and more rice. And cultural historian, Angie Fernand. Awanu Kaka. <laughs> <laughs> This is episode 274 for the week of February 28th, 2024. Black History Month is wrapping up here in America, and so in honor of that, we will be discussing tonight, High on the Hog, How African American Cuisine Transformed America, Season 1, Episode 1, called Our Roots. But before we get to that, here's your weekly reminder that you can get in touch with us at mailatgeekade.com. Tell us your favorite kind of food and how it factors into a TV show that you like, or tell us anything else you want to tell us about for that matter. Just make sure you put this week's episode in the subject line. We always want to hear from you, the listener. So, hey guys, how's Hello. it going? Hey. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> that was real enthusiastic. Everybody having a good week, a good month? Yeah. We're getting by. I will say, in in the spirit of food and um, celebrating community, uh, I'm pretty pumped about the fact that at my job I got to facilitate a food drive that ended up resulting in over 200 students getting uh, snack packs with little mini Valentines in them uh, through one of the nonprofits that I work with. So that was pretty epic. Um Good job. Thank you. <clears throat> so that was fun. And then I did save this because I was excited to share with y'all. But I actually um, I got to do a thing this month professionally where I uh, applied for a leadership program. And I'll find out next month if I get in. Well, I guess next week. So right before the start of the, the month of March, I will find out if I got in. And, and it's a women's specific leadership program. So wish me luck. Good luck. I wish you the most luck. I think that's awesome, and I think you deserve to get it. Thank you. Well, hopefully they think that too. Even though it's it's very interesting, Evan was questioning this because <laughs> you have to apply to get in, and it's a paid program, and then they interview you. So it is like a super like curated like yeah, we don't want just anybody. So if I get rejected, it will probably Wait, destroy me. Hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. I I just did the math. This is the group that said you were a woman to watch. Yeah. And you still have to apply. Yeah. And I've been through their mentorship program and I've attended numerous things. So the program is called Wilma Leadership Institute or yeah, uh, I believe that's right. Close enough. Uh, they ha- there's, there's like Leadership Wilmington and the Wilma Leadership Institute. So sometimes I get confused. But um, yeah, Wilma, it's amazing because it's literally like Wilma is all about. It's a women's owned or women's operated and women's uh, centric publication. 
Um, and that was a thing that, yes, two years ago I was nominated uh, in the arts category in our area, and I was I made it to the finalists, which was pretty cool because it's like 300 people and it gets narrowed down to like 30, 35, I think it is. So you get like tons I of nominations. That. Yeah, so like it, it, it's cool because like that really kind of pushed me into getting involved in Wilma stuff and I've sort of stuck with it ever since and it's been life-changing like really truly I I can't say enough good about how much I've loved working with Wilma to the point where now because of the leadership skills that I feel I've developed and the relationships I've been developing in my community I am leading uh, like you guys might have seen this thing called empowerment that we're doing um Mm -hmm. And like I, I'm, Empower I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm leading all of the marketing efforts and design, and then I'm assisting with like actually facilitating. I got to nominate some of the speakers. So my previous coworker, who recently moved on to bigger, better things, and is one of my favorite people I've ever met, um, she's going to be a speaker, and I'm so freaking proud of her because she went through this program and pushed me to apply for Wilma. So like. There's just so much good that's coming out of all this and so many, like, good vibes, great experiences. Like, I'm just – I'm really thankful for this, and, and I'm I'm pretty pumped. And as, since we're going into, you know, next month is Women's Month, so next month hopefully I'll have some cool women-centric stuff to celebrate. But uh, I'm yeah. so proud of you. Thanks. That's my girl. <laughs> I wanted to share good vibes, like, actually on the podcast, because I feel like we always, like, chit-chat and catch up right beforehand, and then I'm just like, yeah, whatever, fuck everything, I'm mad, my job sucks. <laughs> but, like, there's cool stuff, too. There is cool stuff. Yeah. I got to do a cool thing this past weekend, too. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> on advice from professionals, I um, reached out and found a local artist meet up in my area yeah you did um, i saw that post <laughs> <laughs> and i mean it it really wasn't that big a thing i think there were like seven or eight people yeah it's a lot there <laughs> that's a lot for artists <laughs> <laughs> i mean especially in february when there was a threat of snow actually it did snow the night before but it just what didn't stick to anything paved so um so it was pretty cool. It was, you know, sponsored by this uh, local organization, South Jersey Cultural Alliance, and it was just uh, intended for, like, artists to get together, kind of form a network, talk about things that we, challenges that we face and, and what what community means to us and how we can kind of build the community and use and share its resources. And I, I mean... Dudes, I make cross stitches with like swear words on them. I do not consider myself a serious artist <laughs> um, most of the time. Um, so, but the more I, you know, open myself up to that possibility, the more I kind of realize, okay, but I'm doing more than just effing around here and I'm doing something not everybody can do. And, and, Every time I apply for any event, people are like, wow, we've never seen anybody do what you do. So, you know, it is something special. Um, And even though I don't really necessarily connect with any of the other artists, it was just nice to be among like-minded people. And I got to talk to a lot to um, the art 
its admin of the the group who organized it and we talked a lot about a lot of ideas for things that they could be doing to serve the artist community heck so yeah that was pretty fun and cool and inspiring awesome so happy for you all the good nerdy vibes <laughs> Woo. <laughs> And then I, I asked Angie before the podcast if she was a Swifty, and she said yes. Um, and the reason that I asked that is I have another cool thing, which is not nearly as, like, you know, artsy or community or anything, but I'm going to, like, a Taylor Swift-themed girls' night out with, like, themed martinis and karaoke and dressing up at, like, Taylor Swift. And I'm not really a Swifty, but I'm having a lot of fun with this. That's awesome. I'm not really a Swifty, but I play one on TV. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so, yeah, nice things are happening. I'm trying to, like, get the winter Buck. seasonal affective disorder, <laughs> get it out of my system. It sounds like you're definitely taking steps because you're putting yourself out there. That's like not an easy thing to do. I'm trying. I did. I did make a lot of like good connections there. So. Oh yeah. Nice, 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 nice. Boys, (laughs) any nice things happening for you? No. (laughs) I mean, you have amazing women in your life, so there's that. That's that's just the given, though. Um. Well. My my wonderful missus will be leaving in two days and, and and leaving me to go do the closing for her art show. So I'm not flop sweating or anything. It's fine. It's going to be great. Yeah, no pressure. But Done. like, you know, we, we, we sold just enough stuff to maybe break even on this show. So he's got to like actually sell some shit. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's going to be freaking awesome. <laughs> One of the hardest things about being an artist is trying to sell stuff when you're not in the room. And I'm not going to be in the room for like the biggest. Yeah. Anyway, that's well, and it's weird. Thing. This the, These events, I feel like it's more about people just wandering around and looking like mm-hmm. they don't know. Like, I think they think it's more of a museum than, hey, I can buy stuff. That's the significance of standing there and getting to talk to people, though. Like, it's it's similar to when we used to do, like, shows for, you know. Spiderweb. Yeah. I was, I was like, how do I talk about this? Um, and, like, we did pop-up art galleries for, you know, a business where they had thousand dollar several thousand dollar paintings uh on display and you have people that come in and they kind of wander around they treat it like a museum and then you start a conversation and you know we had talked about the fact that i didn't really get to do that at the opening for this show because so many people came out to show their support which was amazing but at the same time you realize like ah crap you're going you're running around trying to thank all your friends you don't thank get to you talk for to your it. interest in lows <laughs> what? what sorry <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for our interest in Lowe's. Okay. That was just a random tab that was open on my computer that I was like, oh, I need to close this. Good job, honey. Oopsie. You're just causing chaos. Chaos. Jesus. I thought the internet was shutting me down. It was like, you've spoken enough about this. Get away, plebeian. No, I apologize. Please yeah. continue. Yeah, I don't know what I was saying anymore. Basically, just, uh, yeah, go go sell art and make me some fucking money, will you? That's what I'm, I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try. <laughs> As long as I don't have to break the show down afterwards, I'm good. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. Nah, that's the week after. Yeah. And you'll be home for that, so we're good. Anywho, yeah, that's all of that's, our updates. That's what we're doing. You guys want to talk about television? <laughs> 
Chris, you got uh, anything? Yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> what was that? You got anything, Chris? <laughs> yeah, I got a box of watches. What? <laughs> Chris plays video games. Wait, Did we know this? Yes. Chris know. plays video games during our broadcast. So, uh, okay. This is not what I'm going to talk about television, but it's not the thing that I wanted to talk about. But it's because of Chris. Uh, whilst you were recording SAG, you had made comment about Freakazoid. And I said, holy shit, I don't have that. I have to get it. And that is the wild. I, I forgot how fucking wild that show was. Yeah, that show is bonkers. That's one of those shows you watch and you just can't believe it. You can't believe it's like it made Animaniacs it on, the air. on crack. And if you read interviews with the people who made it, they can't believe it made it onto the air either. <laughs> yeah, highly recommend. But Absolutely that- wonderful. <laughs> no, I got a box of watches. So um, this project I've been working on, uh, I did a bunch of it last year where I was doing a complete history of The Legend of Zelda and like a fucking moron. I decided, you know, it'll be even easier than that. Uh, making a Super Mario one, nope. which you know is not easier at all, and that's in fact well, I was specifically not going to do that one, even though I really wanted to, because I knew it was going to be really difficult, and um, I just kind of stopped putting a deadline on myself, so I'm not killing myself over it like I was the Zelda one, uh, because this is a considerably more complex project. The um, the scripting of it is particularly difficult because I'm trying to trying to weave it into an interesting narrative while giving enough information and context that it makes sense. And I'm hitting all the important points, but also not over info dumping on everyone, which is something that I feel I do on a daily basis. Um, But the history of the super Mario franchise is really complicated at, at the top because we're talking about like this game came out in Japan and then, a year and a half later came out in America and then these things happened in between. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out exactly. I'm I'm trying to tell the story right now. I'm around super Mario brothers three, which I'm really excited about super Mario brothers three, because I get to talk about the wizard, which is one of my favorite movies. And, uh, (laughs) but that was how like a lot of people in America found out about super Mario three. But Super Mario 3 was very, very casually mentioned in Nintendo Power in the same issue they announced the Game Boy and Super Mario Land. And all they were were just, here's the name. And the Super Mario Bros. 3 one was like, and you can fly with a raccoon tail. Because that game was actually already out in Japan where Mario Land wasn't. So I'm trying to tell this narrative of like, these games were both announced at this time. Mario 3 already happened in Japan when Mario 2, which isn't actually Mario 2, came out here in America. And I'm trying to make this interesting and make sense, which is uh, a fun challenge. I, I don't I'm not I don't want to come off like I'm bitching about it. I'm actually really, really excited to to come up with something because I'm happy with what I've come up with so far. And I'm confident that I'll be able to do it. But back to the watches. So as I'm covering all these things, um, one of the strange little oddities that needs to be covered when talking about the complete history of Mario Brothers games is a series of watches by a company called Nelsonic. They made game watches, which were little wrist watches with LCD mm-hmm. games built into them, uh, and they had a Nintendo license for a while, and they are wholly original games. They're not takes on anything else like they're they're adaptations sort of but because of the nature of the games you can't do super mario brothers in a little no dot you know it's a screen by screen lcd thing so um it's, it's like game them. and watch isn't it 
It's different. Well, it's like a game and watch, but it's simpler. Like okay. the games are actually the, the screens are tiny because yeah. they're on a freaking watch and Nintendo didn't make them. They were just licensed out to Nelsonic. Okay. Um, so they're entirely different. Like there's a super Mario brothers game and watch, but there's a super Mario brothers game watch. And those are two different things, <laughs> which makes Google searching them wonderfully fun. Uh, so when I did this with Zelda, I have the Zelda game watch. I don't have any of the Mario game watches. There's three of them. There was one for Super Mario Brothers, then one for Super Mario Brothers 3, and one for Super Mario World. Um, so I reached out to my boss, Stone Age Gamer, and I said, Andy, um, is there any chance... I don't have these. Could you, like, buy me one so that I could make this video, and then I'll send it back to you and you can resell it? And he was like, sure, that sounds like fun. And then Andy, he didn't just get me those watches he found a lot on ebay of like 15 of these things and he dropped like 1500 dollars and sent me a box full of nelsonic watches and he's like take all the footage you want and then send them back to me <laughs> uh, okay so i got this box of watches and i don't know i don't know anything about watch repair i am not a watch guy <laughs> i don't really understand these things um they're digital watches fortunately but they're uh they were listed as in mint condition mm. and like absolutely not <laughs> like <laughs> no way. At least two of the watches definitely don't work. Maybe a third and, or it's either that or I just can't figure it out. It's an FM. It's an FM radio watch, which is pretty neat. It's a, it's a wrist watch and it's got a couple of dials on the watch and a headphone jack. And you would plug what? a set of headphones into your watch and walk around with a FM radio on your wrist. Which is pretty wild. It is wild. Um, but, like, yeah, I opened up one of them. Just, you know, I have a small screwdriver. I know, like, some basic electronics. I crack open the Super Mario World one, which I can't get to, to do anything. And, like, a piece of metal comes out of it that doesn't appear to belong to anything. And the battery was new, but underneath the battery was where the previous battery had exploded and corroded everywhere. Uh. I couldn't get it to work at all. Like, I, I couldn't get I couldn't get to turn back on. And even when it was on, I couldn't get it to do anything. But uh, that was a really fun experience. Uh, so I'm 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 working on that. That's kind of a that's kind of the, the the big ball of my week. Other than you know being sick and getting over being sick and more dental problems and an adorable dog sleeping on my couch. <laughs> and now back to you. Majestic feet, canines that you have at your home. They are majestic indeed. Yes, you've got watches and art shows and all kinds of fantastic things. But people, we have more important things to talk about, like what we've been watching on TV. <laughs> Television! I'll start, because I came across this show because um, I fell down a rabbit hole of, of... Okay, so it started with me finding the clip of the video of when Jess... And um, Nick meet Prince in New Girl. And I said that to Dan. And then that led me down this rabbit hole of, of Jake Johnson stuff. And there was a cartoon that he starred in called Hoops. This is one of the most vulgar fucking cartoons I have ever seen. <laughs> it is a degenerate ex-basketball player who is now the coach at a high school and the things that they say to children in this show would get most normal humans arrested. It is so 
inappropriate, but I laughed throughout, I don't know, a good 87 to 92% of it. That that man can read the newspaper, and I will laugh at, at, at Jake. It is, he is great. <laughs> Did you watch the movie Self-Reliance, I think it's called? Not yet. I okay. uh, have it. I want to watch it. <laughs> It's just sitting down with the missus because we both have to watch that together. Yeah. Get back to me when you have, or I get get back to us. <laughs> is it is it is it worth the watch? It was a movie. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it it's not that it was bad. It was just very strange. Gotcha. That's all. Gotcha. Well, I, and like I said, this I, I don't know what's going on with with Jake, but he is doing some very interesting projects now but this show is there's a lot of you know recognizable voices like him and okay so he does the voice of coach ben hopkins and his best friend is ron who's voiced by none other than ron funches but his best friend is now sleeping with his still wife but he's okay with it. Like he, he's like, he, he, you know, if anybody could sleep with it, I'm allowing him to do it. Like, it's like taking a responsibility off of his best friend kind of thing. And the, <laughs> that is the, the most normal relationship in this show. It's wild. It is so funny. I like, I've, I've, blew through it very quickly it is unfortunately canceled it was i don't know maybe two seasons i think if that um but yeah if if you're looking for some really raunchy cartoon comedy check out hoops like where did it come from it was netflix it was a netflix thing netflix yeah yeah it came out and, and it was um 2020 so it's been around for a bunch of years, never heard of it. Don't know how it fell across my, my computer screen, but it's there now. And I, like I said, it's worth the watch. 10 yeah, episodes. I think even heard of this. Yeah. Uh, which I guess it's a Netflix joint. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They're not the greatest at promoting things. And it's got the, it's got the family guy aesthetic. It looks like the same art house that does family guy. Um, but it's like, I thought it when it first started. I thought I was going to get like normal, like Family Guy kind of comedy, and it is. But it's like turned up to like twelve. Like it would be as if all of the scenes featured Quagmire, all of it, like that <laughs> much of inappropriateness. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not knocking it at all. Fucking hysterical. Enjoyed the hell out of it. So that's my show for the week. Ugh. What about your wife, Angie? What have you been watching? Oh, hey. hey. What have I been watching? I forgot what I said I was going to talk about, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about, well, here's why, though. There's reasons, because we've been watching some stuff together, and I was all like, hey, yeah, this is the thing that I want to talk about. And then I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. It's too many things. So I settled for Ghosts, the American version, because season three just premiered, and... <laughs> it just brought me so much joy you guys like it came back and we watched it and i forgot like how good some of the writing can be and how charming the characters are and 
like, I don't know, it's just this cozy, like, familiarity of, like, oh, these are characters I like, and a show that didn't get canceled. Yay. <laughs> so I just settle in and enjoy it, and I laugh, and I smile, and the... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, one of the characters, um, she, uh, oh boy, she, she is, she is the, um, her name is Hetty. <laughs> <laughs> my God, she, like, I think I'm just in love with this woman, like, both in character and in real life. She's a horrible woman in the show in some ways because her ghost died. During, I want to say, like, the 18 or 1900s, and she was still, like, like, there's literally, like, all sorts of different people. There's a Native American in the house, there's a Viking, there is um, an African-American woman who is also, like, a phenomenal singer. Like, there's a... Don't forget Trevor. A Trevor, yeah, Trevor who has no pants. There's, like, a camp counselor who, well, no, he... (laughs) He wasn't a camp counselor. He's just a really dorky dad who was, was a Boy Scout leader. Boy Scout leader. That's what it was. Who has an arrow through his throat. Yes. And in this return episode, someone flicked him in the arrow, which made him go. <laughs> there's Captain Isaac. fucking water out of my face. It was so funny. Uh, yeah. So there's uh, Captain I Captain Isaac, who I also love, which was really funny because like he was a closeted gay. <laughs> officer who died of dysentery but he fell in love with the man that he killed (laughs) it's a whole thing i can't tell you more um but like they oh man there's like like one of the ghosts got sucked off (laughs) flower flower got sucked off i didn't want to say it i didn't want to spoil it but yeah it was last season yeah she she went she's She's gone. She got sucked off. She moved on. I mean, we think that. We think that. We don't know. But they were, like, mourning. I really feel like there's a there's a possibility she's going to show up in, like, episode two. But, um, yeah. So, Hetty was, like, the owner of the house. And then, um, yeah, she, you know, was a, she was a woman of the Gilded Age. So, that was the... <laughs> Like 18, 1800s, 1870s, late 1800s, I think. But yeah, so she basically just like, you know. She's a horrible human being. She's kind of classist, kind of racist, kind of <laughs> shitty at times, but then also like really endearing and just fucking inappropriate and funny because like she'll say something and they'll straight call her out on it and then she's like, ah, oh, shit. So it's like, I don't know. There's something about the fact that like, there's a person who says and does something shitty, but everyone in the room calls them out on it, and it's okay. And that just makes me feel like there's hope for humanity. And the way that, like, they have another, like, the, the Native American character has been there for so long, and he's so sassy. And I love the fact that he's sassy because, like, his, the, um, the, uh, what, do I, what the nickname, I guess, for him would be... Right, they call him Sass, Sass. Um, but because his uh, he his full name was like it was a Lenny Lenape name, and it was it was but they just call him Sass for short, and I was just like yeah, Sass is sassy, he's sassy, Sass. Like I just I don't know, I just miss these characters, and it feels like coming home to old friends. So I'm glad that it's back. Um, it was a very strong opening. I felt like at the end of the last season, there were a couple episodes that didn't get me the same way. Um that the show has in the past, but 
Um, they went down a weird, like, storyline with the death of the uh, uh, lounge singer Alberta. It, and with, they, wait, with like figuring out Alberta's past, like because yeah, they, how she died. Yeah, and they figured that out, and I was like, uh, it wasn't as climactic as I wanted it to be. It was well, meh. It, I mean, I guess like the drama. So you find out like Hetty, this woman I'm talking about, like her son had. Oh wait, it's great. No, was it her son or her grandson or something like? It was. No, it was her son. Really, her son Thomas. Okay. Yeah. He. Yeah. He's responsible for her for Alberta's murder. Um, so she and she, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like it's a whole thing, and it, I'm so sad for her too because Alberta, like, she was amazing, and she was she was a prohibition woman, and she is just like the fucking best. Like, she's so great. It's just uh, all of the characters on the show are fantastic. Yeah, they really just um, even like this this opening episode. So there's a group of ghosts in the basement and they're the all cholera, cholera victims <laughs> and all of the cholera victims spent like a good two-thirds of the episode upstairs because um the the camp counselor guy like sort of insulted them and he felt bad so he he invited them upstairs and everybody was like freaked out like because this guy like you know you know pete you know we don't really need to have them upstairs kind of thing <laughs> And he would he didn't want anybody to be upset with him. No, no, no. It's not just that he he is terrified of conflict. Like <laughs> this is the one thing. Pete is like that pushover. Like he's like the doormat character of the group. And like, and he's adorable. Oh my god, he's so. But it was so funny because I was like, oh, I relate to this so hard. Like he's like too polite. Oh, it's so great. Back in full force. I'm glad that it's great because I keep seeing ads for that and it looks like the kind of thing that I would be interested in, but also like I can't tell because it's like a CBS comedy that's an import of a British show. And mm-hmm. I'm like, there's a lot of ways that could have gone wrong. So, I'm well, and I, I will say like, and- I, I didn't go back and watch the British series and I, I'm, I'm waiting. I'll probably wait till this show ends before I do that. Just because like, I don't want to, I don't want to sit there the whole time just making comparisons, but for what this is like the two main characters, my only gripe with this show is that you like the, the homeowners, um, Jay the, and Samantha. Yeah, no, no, no. I know that, but the I don't know if you guys ever watched iZombie or knew that who the actress. Um, was. we love Rose McIver. Okay, so she is the female lead for the American version, which was a thing that really sold me on this. But I would say, like, sometimes they just don't appear to have a lot of chemistry as like a husband and wife. But I also feel like it kind of works with like just the, I guess the what's the word like uh, kind of the the temperature of this show like they're not a i don't know they're not super intimate but they care about each other but it's just like a weird i don't know sometimes i'm like i don't believe you as a married couple but i think overall like this show is really fun and i'm i love a lot of british comedy so i'm sure that when i'm ready and i go back and watch it it'll be great but because i started with this i want to like kind of stick with it until i get I did watch two episodes of the the British version and I stopped because this the American version it doesn't feel like there is a real like lead character 
it's a real ensemble piece um in the british version they had like there were there were as many if not a few more ghosts but there was a lot of tertiary things like like they weren't as upfront as all of these characters are and i do, i do like the like the camaraderie of this group and this is they do a real good job of giving everybody in the american version a little highlight mm-hmm. at least an episode or two like we know why trevor doesn't wear doesn't have pants on like mm-hmm. that went for a good season we didn't know why you know so i i i like the american version better yeah at this juncture so we're invested in everybody's backstory um and i think the quality of the show is good too like it's i just i really enjoyed it and it, it it's a good feel-good show and for all the spooky ghost stuff we like to watch that's weird <laughs> creepy and kind of messed up this show is none of that no nope. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> what about you guys? The anti-supernatural. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm also, of course, still watching. Constantly. It's like almost always on. No, it's not. Always. I haven't been watching. Okay, hold on. Tangent. I am finally exploring the world of Sarah J. Mass. Okay? And what? That is, that is the author of A Court of Thorns and Roses and Throne of Glass and Crescent City. Talking about books yes. on a television so podcast? So I've been listening. <laughs> Just give me a sec. It's going to well, be a show eventually. Exactly. Suck it, nerd. <laughs> out of time. So I am, I just got through, I've been listening to audiobooks like tomorrow's my last day on earth. Like she constantly has her phone playing speaker yeah. with it. Like, like she holds it constantly with the audiobook playing i'll hold it up if i don't have my headphones and i have to like leave the room or whatever like yeah i'll put it on because like i prefer not to use my headphones all the time so anyway but yeah yeah like it is near constant like i went for a run today and i was listening to it while i was running and i never listen to like audio stuff like that when i'm running i always do like hardcore music and shit like yeah i'm lots of music that yells at her she likes that kind of music But anyway, so yeah, so that all that to say, like, I haven't been watching as much Supernatural in the background because that's been my background noise for like two months and some other shitty audiobooks that we're not going to talk about. So, All right, then. Yeah. Well, so, instead of talking about shitty, shitty audiobooks, let's talk about Star Wars, Chris. <laughs> nah. <laughs> you hate okay, watching the mind. show again? I'm just... Bye, Chris. <laughs> I'm always happy to me talk hanging. about Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this morning, uh, today, uh, was the premiere of the final season of the bad batch, the star Wars show that I have been just barely interested enough in to keep watching, (laughs) reluctantly watching almost ringing endorsements, (laughs) almost like it keeps getting to these points where it's like, Oh, that's actually really interesting. And then a bunch of non-interesting things happen. Um, so it's the final season, and I'm very curious to see where this is all, how this is all going to tie into things, how where it's going to leave the various clone troopers, where we we find out where we see them again in Star Wars Rebels later in the Star Wars canon, as it were. Um, at the end of the last season, they had kidnapped uh, the Empire, got their hands on Omega, and I finally we finally figured out why they wanted this girl. Because she was, she is a clone, just like the rest of the clone troopers. She is one of apparently two female clones that they made, and there was something special about her. And what is special about her is that apparently, their 
the whole the whole purpose of this thing is in service of the emperor being able to clone himself uh which is how he somehow palpatine returns um so the whole the the, the thing is they've been trying to make these clones of Palpatine, but also be able to keep his midichlorian count. And so far they've been unsuccessful at being able to clone him, but also have his clones still be powerful in the force. Well, apparently they figured out how to make that work with this Omega character. And, uh, the, the, they've been trying to, uh, was the various characters have been trying to keep her from the empire, trying to, uh, stop them from getting their hands on her because she deserves to have a childhood and, and live her life. Um, the first episode was really interesting. Um, the first, the, the, the premiere was three episodes and the middle episode was eh, just, just kind of there. It seemed like more clone Wars stuff. that's just like, yeah, this is, this is fine. This is star Wars content. But sometimes when the show really fires on all cylinders, it gets super interesting. And that's what I would say. The first and the third one were at the end of the last season, the empire had captured Omega and one of the other bad batch members, crosshair who he went along with order 66 willingly like it wasn't the chip in his head. He was just like, no, this is, I believe in the empire this is what we're going to do. And then like that completely fell in on him. And now he's in jail because uh, they kept trying to make him do con- considerably more and more worse things, especially worse things to other clones and just how disposable they are to the empire. So uh, now he's in jail and Omega wants to break him out. And the first episode was really, really quiet. It was, um, uh, super somber, pretty sad. Um, not your usual hopeful thing. It was it was weirdly artfully done. Uh, the first and third episodes had a very specifically artful thing going on with them. With um, the thing that they would put Omega's blood in to test it. Mm-hmm. The uh, the the woman that was in charge of uh, she was one of those Kaminoans. The if you remember from Attack of the Clones, the one of the few good things in that movie was the Kamino was the planet where they made the clones, and they were the ones with the, the aliens with the long necks that moved all weird. Right, right. Um, she was a uh, she's the last of the Kaminoans because at this point the Empire has uh, completely destroyed the planet Kamino because they don't want anyone else to have the cloning technology. They want it to be exclusively the only person who can be cloned is the emperor and they want that to be able to be done the way they want it. So the emperor empire is like really, really cracking down on cloning technology. So the one remaining Camino in is like pretending to be going along with the empire and everything, but she's trying her best to stop them from getting Omega's blood. So every time they take her blood, she would just get rid of her sample. But then the emperor actually shows up at this space where they're doing all these things voiced by Ian McDermott, by the way, which is just, chef kiss uh, he's so wonderfully over the top um and they finally do test her blood but the machine that does it is like in this this circle of blood vials in it so all throughout the episode they would do another shot where uh they would just go back to a shot where the blood circle would just like click one more tick forward getting closer and closer like it was a countdown to when it, they would finally figure it out that her blood was exactly what they needed and this is all go. This is all happening in the background while she's trying to escape. It was all very interesting. Um, 
except that middle episode, which had to deal with just the Bad Batch clones themselves, who I don't find to be all that interesting characters off looking for Omega. The one thing that was super interesting about that, and I have to assume this character is going to come back later in the season because this, this character shows up. She's like the head of the Pike syndicate. She has like, I don't know, five or six lines. And I'm like, shit, that's Angelica Houston. And then I looked in the credits. Yeah, it was Angelica Houston. I'm sure she didn't show up for a Star Wars show to say five lines and never show up again. It was just really freaking weird that, like, here's this character that seems like she's going absolutely nowhere. She's just there. And it's Angelica Houston. (laughs) Freaking weird. Um, But, yeah, that's uh, off to a good start. I am, you know, last season, so hopefully they're not going to hit us with a bunch of goofy-ass filler episodes of them going on adventures. It doesn't seem like they're going to be able to, because they have a lot to cover in this period of time. Uh, I don't think they have a ton of episodes to do it in. And I'll be really glad to not... I've never liked the way this show looks. Uh, I think the art style is pretty grotesque. Um Wow. And it's gotten better since it started. Like when it first started, it was like they were kind of trying to mimic the uh, Gendy Tartakovsky stuff, but like with CG and adding a bunch of really unnecessary details to it. And it has gotten to be a lot better looking. And it was the content of the show that kept me going more than anything, because I really just don't like the art direction in this show at all. Uh, So I'll be happy for them to be done making shows that look like this with the exception of tales of the Jedi, but it only kind of looks like this. Um, tales of the Jedi is a really interesting show. I can't hope they keep doing more of those. Uh, but yeah, well, this, this seems to be the end of the clone Wars story and, uh, I'll be happy to be rid of it. <laughs> Damn. All right. I'm going to have to see how that impacts or ties back into all the stuff that they've set up with the emperor coming back and, I guess this new movie that they're going to do. Yeah. I'm real curious where this Omega character is in the future. Like she's, so it's another, she's a Django Fett clone, right? We know what happened to all the clone troopers at this point, but like there are two female Fett clones currently in existence in this show. And we never see or hear from them again. And they seem pretty damn important. So I'm very curious where that's going to lead. In Filoni, I trust. In Filoni, we all trust. Uh, very cool. Well, wondering I'll, if it'll uh, end on like a note of okay, this was worth it, or if it then you're just gonna like throw something at your TV. <laughs> I'm pretty. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's all gonna be ultimately worth it. I mean, the the problem with the Bad Batch was like, there's a lot of people who really enjoy this show because they really enjoy these characters. I'm not that person. I just. I don't think these characters are all that interesting and uh, it is impressive that the one guy is doing all these different voices, like these different flavors of clone troopers, because, you know, they all sound the same, except these guys are like mutant clone troopers. So they all have some sort of weird defect that makes them special in some way or another. And they all look and sound different. So that there's that, but that weird Australianish accent that they all have cooking is like, I'm done with this. <laughs> Australian adjacent. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's it's weird. Gosh. So yeah, see where it's going. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, uh, I guess I'll finish up our roundup. I uh, finally got 
through watching uh, the Apple Apple TV limited series of Lessons in Chemistry. <laughs> Ms. Marvel uh, doing on, some science? Yes. Based on uh, the Barney, Bonnie Garmus novel, which I also read. Um, but there's been enough space between my reading the book and seeing the show that I'm like, it. this is all familiar, but I... It seems like a pretty faithful adaptation, but I can't say for 100%. Um, I feel like they added more into the show, which is not necessarily something you always see with an adaptation. I feel like more often that they leave things out that were in the book um, to, I guess, simplify things for the Mm -hmm. screen. Um, But they really beefed up the character of the the neighbor that... um, the main character relies on. Uh, so it's set in the sixties and the main character is played by Brie Larson. And she is a, like a chemist that works in a lab. Um, and it's the sixties. So there's like nothing but misogyny and sexism and um, all of that. And she's smarter than almost everybody who works there, except for this one guy, which ends up, she ends up ends up being her love interest um and they get together but like he's had a fucked up childhood she had a fucked up childhood so like she's not interested in marriage or having a family but she doesn't want to be with this guy um they end up like getting together and then they move in together but they're not married which is (gasps) taboo hmm Taboo. Taboo. Taboo, yes. Um, and then, uh, and this is kind of a spoiler, but um, it happens kind of early and affects most of the rest of the book. So uh, he ends up dying suddenly. Jesus. H. Gasp. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And she's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the rest of it, like the movie, the movie the show starts out like kind of at the at the end of her story which is that she went from being like this chemist in a lab to uh having a cooking tv show um and you kind of find out (laughs) along the way like (laughs) what led to all of this and a lot of it was the circumstances of being a woman in the 60s unmarried uh, having a child out of wedlock, uh, losing her job because of that fucking bullshit. Um, and then just happenstance because of her like passion for her work. Um, she keeps doing science like at home. She's doing science and she's still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, you're welcome. And, uh, and then she, you know, has a chance meeting with somebody who works in television who ends up having, you know, deciding that she's perfect personality to do this TV show. Um, and it just, one of those things is like, it shouldn't work, but it does. Um, it, it's, a, I feel like it's a theme I've been seeing lately. Cause I've been also watching um, Julia, which is mm-hmm. about Julia child. <laughs> and it's they're They're both having these themes of like, being in the same time period of like the start of the women's lib movement and trying to make things better for women. And like, there really being a hunger for that kind of thing in the community, but getting shut down by shitty men. 
um, God, Rain Wilson plays the TV station manager in Lessons in Chemistry, and he like he doesn't have a very big part in the show, but he's so fucking hysterical. He's like, I don't give a shit about what this broad wants, <laughs> and it's like, but no, Rain Wilson, don't do that. But it's just funny to see him in that kind of role. Um, but the, the show is really good overall. I think it's a pretty faithful adaptation. The only complaint I heard from one person that I know who is a chemist is like the science isn't sciencing. Um, so like if you're, you know, if you're, if you're heavily invested in the science of the show, maybe it's not for you, but uh, it tells a really good story. Brie Larson is fantastic. Um, it just, it delves into a lot of, a lot of issues that are really interesting. Um, and the book goes a lot of different places, including uh, the, the, you know, the father of the child that she has who died. He had this whole mystery surrounding who his parents were. He grew up an orphan and like, there's this whole backstory to him that has really nothing to do with um nothing to do with the main character's trajectory except that when her daughter is like you know six or so she gets a family tree project at school and she's like i don't know anything about my dad or his family i can't do this project and she ends up like solving the mystery of where he came from um, yeah there's a lot to it it's really cool um Oh, and there's in the book it's more prevalent than in the show, but that she has this dog whose name is six thirty because that's what time he wakes her up every day. Nice, awesome. I like it. I like and, it. Uh, he has he has moments of narration in the book, and they managed to work that into the show where like the dog has a voiceover, and the voiceover I was proud of myself to recognize was B.J. Novak. Um. Which is like kind of unexpected, but it works. Um, cool. But yeah, there's just something about this character. I'm blanking on her name, but uh, that Brie Larson plays. I think if uh, I think she's like coded as if she were on the spectrum, except we don't have that. They didn't have that back then. Gotcha. Um, but she, 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 her behaviors and her mannerisms are very like. She seems off, like off-putting to a lot of people. People don't like her because she's not. She's very blunt. She's very honest. Um, she doesn't ascribe to a lot of like social conventions and norms. Um, and Brie Larson really captured that very well. So I was going to say, it um, sounds I like mean, she's not acting very much. Then <laughs> she's a. Uh, <laughs> She's quite a talent, I think we all know. So, uh, yeah, I highly recommend it, especially if you read the book. But even if you haven't, I think you'll enjoy it. Awesome. I'm definitely curious to check that out because I've seen her in a couple other things. And I and and for anyone who doesn't have context, that's just a joke because she doesn't interview well and people say that she's mean. But <laughs> I don't know her. I don't care. Um, but I I I would like to see that role because she's she's pretty good at uh being bitchy um in roles but like not making you hate her while she's doing it yeah she's not bitchy she's just like like i don't know (laughs) she has no filter yes 
That'll, that, that'll, that'll, that does it. Oh. All right. Well, hold before we take the break. I just wanted to mention because um, I just realized a bunch of shows just came back from their break. Um, the Rookie is back, which is fantastic. That that just started. Um, a show that we like in this household, Not Dead Yet, is back, and and we enjoy the hell out of that show. But big news that that. Um, John Stewart has gone back on Mondays to the Daily Show. To the yeah. Daily Show. Um, My it, mother is so happy. <laughs> <laughs> it is so good. He, oh, man, I should have to wait. Ooh, he, he should run for president. Can't not do that show. <laughs> yes, it's phenomenal. And like I've watched a little bit of the guy that does the rest of the week because he only do, does Mondays. He is no John Stewart, but he's not bad. Okay. Well, Who, Jordan Trevor Klepper Noah? was just Jordan Klepper just did the rest of the first week. It's oh. uh, somebody oh, else it's, this week. Oh, oh is yeah, it? It's, it's be supposed ro- to be rotating. John Stewart's always going to be doing Mondays, but it's going to be rotating other people doing. Uh, Wait, so what happened to Trevor Noah? He left. He oh, Trevor left. Noah. He retired from the show. I don't know, like a year or two ago. Okay, cool. I have no idea what's going on. Oh, he has a podcast now, and one of his first episodes was The Rock. Just saying. <laughs> I may have listened yeah, to it. Yeah, he didn't really catch on the way that Comedy Central hoped that he would. Well, um, it, it was bad timing. Uh, bad timing. was doing great on the, the, the problem with Jon Stewart, except that um, <laughs> then he wanted to tackle uh, AI and China, two things that Apple are really into. <laughs> <laughs> so that show stopped existing and he's back on the daily show all right so wait In the problem fun. with john stewart is officially canned then oh yeah it's gone that yeah. sucks yeah, i really liked that show it was a great show. it was fucking phenomenal and i he john stewart doesn't really get to do the in-depth kind of stuff that he was doing on that show those interviews that he would do with people were just uh they were absolutely fantastic and of yeah. course him being back on the daily show uh, he's already like first episode was already like scrutinized by everybody who just completely <laughs> fucking missed the point, thinking that he was both sidesing uh, Biden and Trump when like he was comparing one specific thing that they both have in common is that they're both fucking too old for this shit. Yes. Like that's the whole point of the thing and the takeaway from a lot of loud voices on the internet that people that i don't even typically agree with as blowhards are just like these these people are usually just fine by me they're like oh this was very irresponsible to both sides the two of them like they're both equally bad like that's not how is that your takeaway you're just (laughs) saying they're both equally old (laughs) what's wrong with you That's not how any of this works. That was part of his second intro. We watched that like before we went to bed last night. He's like, it was was twenty minutes. It was it was the intro. It was one episode. (laughs) Give a guy a break. And then he went into the whole Tucker Carlson thing, which he has fallen under uh, scrutiny for again because uh, his when he was making the joke about how you know that's how we why our New York subways are all urine soaked hell holes as opposed to the pretty, pretty ones in Russia is that's the price, the literal price of freedom. And then if people are saying, well, actually that's a really bad take on that. And it's like, it's a fucking comedy show. This isn't the problem with Jon Stewart. This is the daily show. He's got to make these jokes and you just have to, 
you just have to suspend your... Have a sense of humor. Suspend your need to be so technically right about everything, to just understand the broad point that he's trying to make. Well, actually, And it's not that fucking hard. (laughs) It's... it's, Uh, I hate people. it is the worst thing that's ever happened to humanity, and I hope it goes away. It's, no offense to this podcast. We'll just switch over to radio. <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to go one, away. It's like the one thing that's changed with, you know, since John Daly, uh, John Daly, John Stewart left The Daily Show and came back. The one thing that's changed is like the culture on the Internet has just gotten so much worse. Yeah. It really has. Um, oh, and also you were talking about returning shows. Shout out to Resident Alien, which is oh, that's back right. Sci-fi. That yeah. also came back. Yeah. Oh, love it, love it, love me some Alan Tudyk. All right, take a quick break, get a snack, get a drink, go pee, do what you got to do. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. Chris here. Podcast listening is free, but podcast creation is not. That's why the Geekade Patreon exists. In an effort to help us pay the bills, we've got a Patreon page set up where you can gain access to our monthly podcast topic schedule, get early access to many of our shows, and more. If you'd like to help support Geekade and keep these shows running week after week, head over to the Geekade Patreon page, linked in the show notes of this very podcast. We are Safe at Home, the leading dog rescue in the heart of New Jersey. Are you searching for a loyal companion, a dog that will bring love and joy to your home? Look no further than Safe at Home. At Safe at Home, we believe in giving every dog a second chance. We rescue, rehabilitate, and find loving forever homes for dogs in need, right here in the Garden State. Our dogs are ready to make a lasting impact on your life. Each one has a unique story, a wagging tail, and an incredible capacity for love when you adopt from safe at home you're not just gaining a pet you're becoming a part of our family our dedicated team ensures a seamless adoption process providing ongoing support and guidance with new jersey's beautiful parks beaches and trails you and your new furry friend will have endless opportunities for adventures and cherished memories safe at home relies on the support of compassionate individuals like you Your donations and volunteer work enable us to continue saving lives and finding forever homes for these amazing dogs. Join us in creating a safer, happier community for dogs in New Jersey. Together we can make a difference and give every dog the chance to feel safe at home. Visit our website or call us now to learn about how you can be a part of the Safe at Home mission. Safe at Home, because every dog deserves to be loved and protected www.safeathomerescue.org And we're back and we're talking about High on the Hog. Uh, this is a Netflix documentary series that began in 2001. There's currently two seasons of it. Uh, it aims to tell about how much of the food that is considered American cuisine came from black culture and has its roots in enslavement and in the people and traditions of Africa. 
the first episode, Our Roots, focuses on the beginning of that journey. The chef, author, and host of the show, Stephen Satterfield, travels around Benin, uh, exploring the food native to the area, exploring its connections to the local culture, and how much of it crossed the Atlantic. Um, I chose this show on recommendation of a friend who is much more into documentaries than I am, but she seemed to think I would enjoy it. I do love a good uh, food show. Uh, I will admit that the timing was more coincidental than intentional with this being our February episode and it being Black History Month, but I think it's an important aspect of history. Um, there was a lot to unpack in the show, mm-hmm. uh, and this is, of course, not our typical fair that we usually talk about on the show but it was a television show and uh sometimes tv teaches us things so um before we find out if my friend was right about whether i liked it uh, i want to know what everybody else thought karen you said it was going to be a cooking show in fairness (laughs) i went in blind i thought it was so to be fair Everybody that is listening, the amount of cooking that happens in this show is minimal. Okay, there is there is a lot of information about food, but there is like not a lot of cooking going on. This is a documentary about enslavement, and that's fine. I don't know why they 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 coded it with with food, like. It, I went in expecting something. I'm like, this is this is this is the opposite of what. Like, I want to sit down and 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 yeah, learn this about was cooking. Not at all what I was expecting. <laughs> However, if this had been just a single thing, I would agree with you that this is a documentary about enslavement. However, it's a documentary series, and I believe what the, where they're heading with it in the future episodes is more in the direction of food, but that they had to start from this place. Of showing where the food came from mm-hmm. to get to that point. Um, um, I will. Boy, s- did they start there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just going to let you know. I started watching the second episode um, and I didn't get to finish it because it, I didn't have time. But um, there was a little bit more food, but there was still a lot of incorporating history. Um, huh. Okay. And it, it, I. I I don't want anybody love to this show. To like, be honest, that's not bad. I don't want anybody to think I think that's a bad thing. But it's not a cooking show. It's like yeah, I, like I. You thought it would be a cooking. I show. wanted to like when they started talking about yams and sweet potatoes. I wanted them to make something with that because that thing looked ridiculous, and they didn't. They just well, they did. <laughs> they actually had a lot of the stuff with, instead of preparing food. So I think this is the thing they were tasting, not preparing. Right. So like he meets with multiple different people and then walks around like a market, goes to these villages, goes to these different restaurants. He is tasting alongside people who are preparing the food and he is experiencing how they share their culture with him and welcoming him back in because he is an American going back to his West African roots. So I think that like. I actually kind of appreciated that because I would have loved if there was an opportunity for him to like be alongside someone and learn a cooking technique or a recipe from somebody, but I didn't mind the way that it was done. Um, but it really, 
I mean, I I like I genuinely loved the first episode. I I was completely enamored. I cried. I laughed. I took a shitload of notes. Uh, I was just learning as much as I could, and I I was deeply moved by the storytelling. So, um, yeah, I I have more things to say, but I, I'll let everybody else share their uh, feelings. Chris, you, you alive, Chris? Did you die? Yeah, I'm alive. Are you hallucinating? Did I, you uh, sleep deprivation? I can fly. I'm pilot. <laughs> I'm good. I'm just getting my notes out. Um, <laughs> well, he finds that. I always thought oh, yam and sweet potatoes were the same thing. <laughs> Mind <laughs> blown. <laughs> I had no idea. I thought they were just two different names for the same exact thing. So that is a thing that so I So you learned. I did. I did learn something. Um, I didn't understand why they were all speaking French in that one village. I felt like I should have some sort of history knowledge. Oh, colonization. Explains me. a lot of French in Africa. <laughs> I like that I blanket no statement. That, that was a thing either. Yeah. Um, I thought the floating village was really neat. Oh, it yes. was. Um there was a lot it of was, good stuff in this show. <laughs> it was um it was taking me out of it like I really wanted to know what the logistics of the electricity for that village were. Yes! They clearly had electricity. They showed a night <laughs> shot, people had lights on, they were using like machines that were powered by electricity. But like how? Mm-hmm. I didn't see any wires or anything. I don't know. It was just—it was really bothering me. The, the one thing that got me was all of those guys pulling on that rope. Uh huh. And, and it was a long—it was a long scene, and they didn't show what was at the end of the fucking rope. So, and then okay, so this—this this for me too, because I—I think I built it up for you a little bit as we were watching. So, for context, okay. Uh, anyone who hasn't already figured out we live in North Carolina, we live in Gullah territory. So the people that like when you go, when they start talking about rice in the next episode, they do, um, when they get more into rice and they start talking about like, yeah, everybody came in through Charleston, but like, guess where a lot of them freaking ended up here. Here. (laughs) So we're right in the Gullah corridor and like, um, f- sorry, uh, context. The Gullah is um, the the Gullah people. Uh, it, basically, it was um, historically it is the culture that evolved out of West Africans, sort of like developing their own new uh, culture and uh, lifestyle here in the U.S. Um, and they're often also referred to as the Gullah Geechee because uh, they're like it, the the Gullah Corridor goes all the way down to like uh, Florida, and so there was uh, the Ogeechee River, I think it is, uh, and that that is where Gullah Geechee comes from. But a lot of times people just say Gullah, um, and that's like the language that they speak. But basically, like these people have preserved all of this culture like fucking michelle obama she's a Gullah Geechee woman like all these people that i started learning about that i didn't know anything about i've been working on this project because one of the nonprofits in our area that is uh, a historic landmark um does this like whole rice festival in march and i worked on a coloring book 
that they did, like an activity book where I did coloring pages. And one of the things I had to draw was literally that scene of a bunch of dudes on a beach pulling on a fucking rope to nowhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it was like, I saw a video that was probably like, I don't know, a million years old. And it was in black and white and it was super grainy. And you sort of see that they're like pulling a boat and it's all related to fishing. And like, there's a dude that's like, making a fishing net like so I, I know that it has something to do with fishing and the Gullah culture and and I, I i don't i need to know like at some point i better fucking find out where that rope ends and why there's so many people pulling on it because the other video didn't clarify either and i don't understand <laughs> they um i this was an issue for me too i do feel like the show was whatever degree of um control that the the host had over it mm-hmm. um i feel like he was great you know with his food knowledge um and j- just you know connecting to the people that he was talking to mm-hmm. but as a host as a storyteller um i could have used a little bit more hand holding mm. i could have used like the show didn't really start with like a mission statement you know like mm. a little bit more i think it could have been a little bit more robust on the narration i feel like there were a few scenes that went on for a while there were like shots of life in africa but we didn't know why like the scene in the church was the same like they went back later and explained that that was a voodoo church and why they were why they were including that aspect in the show but like there were some scenes that went on and was like, why am I looking at this? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Yeah. And he's relying on the people to give him like, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm always like, it's a little sketch. Like when he's, when he's talking to like local villagers, I'm kind of like, mm, how much do you know? Like Dr. J. Yeah. She wrote the book that inspired him to do this show. Totally different. Mm-hmm. Clearly has like a shitload of knowledge. But when you're just, like, talking to a guy who owns a boat in a village and he's, like, telling you about his history, like, that is the history that they've passed down. A lot of it's probably oral history. But, like, I would like him, like, I'm hoping that when he's talking to people, like, I don't want to feel like I need to fact check anybody. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I know that he is talking to people that have deep roots. Um, When he goes to the Amazon warrior village, like, a um abame like that was that was really really cool and the guy he's talking to like he's a historian so like okay great like we're getting a good amount of people who have knowledge but at the same time there are moments where i'm like okay but like really but like really what are you like what do you actually know like right yeah, yeah it, it, there was there was just some level of like knowing how to make this kind of show that was lacking on mm. his part. I did um, like the fact that when they were in the, the 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 river town, and they just roll up to the you know the the, the boat to buy stuff, and they buy the every culture. Every one of them has some version of fried dough that is a dessert. Every one of them. And you could see when he bit into it, he's like, oh, not as sweet as I thought. Yeah. <laughs> You're looking for a Zeppeli, brother. That's what you wanted. Yes. Deep fried dough. Yeah. I mean, the, the I think it was the food blogger said, like, they don't do a lot of desserts in Africa. No. Mm-hmm. No. 
Yeah, um, uh, but I will tell you that one that they had, the coconut and pineapple, I was like, babe, I gotta go, we got to go to Africa. I need that. I need it right now. <laughs> I want it. Oh, my God. And Evan struggled with them eating with their hands, which I thought was oh, hysterical. Yeah. yeah, I'm not good with that. So here's the yeah. thing. I, I, and I said this while we were watching it. If it's a solid thing, like if she, they pick up a shrimp and eat that, that doesn't bother me. A, a chicken nuggy, that doesn't bother me. When they scoop up like mashed potatoes or or <laughs> and, and then they're like, like no <laughs> i don't care what okay, that well. is use a fork <laughs> and it, and that was the thing when i was when we were talking about it i was like i've learned about cultures like ethiopian food was the one honey that i was i was ah, gonna say it was yes. like that i was first introduced to that but it's um it's also a very common like south asian practice um yeah yeah, I know that there are a lot of cultures out there that eat with their hands. That it is the first utensil. I get that. It just grosses me out every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I. Oh my god, I think that was like legit one of my favorite things to watch them do. I, I, like, I had to actively turn I'm away. One hundred percent with you, Evan. 100% with you. Uh, well, well, I guess you and me, Angie, will have to go out to dinner to a to a. Ethiopian or South Asian restaurant, or, or we'll just like you know travel the world and like actually sample those foods. You know? no That's I fine was, with me. That guy was the guy with the 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 artist fella with all the mm -hmm. the, the 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 gas cans. It's like yeah, where did we get this guy from? Like what's going on? Yeah, well, I appreciated that they brought in not just like not just people who cook, but like all different aspects of like people with a connection to food. And how that guy connected back to like living in the same neighborhood as the grandmother of the mm -hmm. other woman. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to know and, where all of that food came from. Like he had a table full of food that everybody wowed over. And he just kept like, did he have cooks in the back? Was it his? Well, no, he said that those were, there were women who prepared it, like local women who like only they know the recipes and they pass them down. It's wild. So it was like very protected and like kind of sacred, which was dope honestly terrifying but really cool because i and i say terrifying just because i'm scared of that knowledge like going away yes right yeah um i really appreciated that they showed so many different um environments too like the street market and then like the cafe that was kind of like just a you know hole in the wall and then that really fancy restaurant mm. and then the fishing village and then like just a regular town like i feel like a lot of americans probably have a certain idea of what life is like in africa and it's i think good to show that like some parts of africa probably match what they're thinking about but there's like plenty of all kinds of different lifestyles there mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so shedding shedding some light on that was good um i really i'm with you about dr j like i really appreciated her insight yeah. into everything mm -hmm. her kind of hand holding of the the host along the way mm -hmm. yeah I, especially I, during that breakdown at the end oh, um, oh. some heavy grandma vibes oh right my there God. Uh, yeah when she like walks him out and she's like walk tall and i was like <laughs> i'm trying i'm not even there and then like i mean oh obviously i don't think any of us have that in our ancestry but you know i can't imagine what it's like for a black person to watch that um, and see someone experiencing that kind of uh, powerful emotion. Oh, it's going to make me cry again. To, 
Yeah. <laughs> that awful aspect of his history. But like, that's exactly it. Like you don't, I don't think like, I mean, my family, like we're Dutch, we've, we're white as hell. And we came over like willingly as immigrants, like a couple generations ago and cool beans. Good for us. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like the, my grandmother, like she was alive during world war two and was very, very young, but claims to remember like just some of the things that were experienced for that and how traumatic that was for average people. Like now look at generations of trauma and being forcefully removed from where you're from and never having the opportunity to possibly return. Right. Like mm-hmm. I think there's like this disjointedness, like, well, I mean, that's the, and I, they kept saying it, the diaspora diaspora, however they kept pronouncing it, which I thought was kind of funny because it changed throughout the episode. But like, I, I I know for me personally, that's not something I'm ever going to be able to understand, but I understand the concept of compassion. I understand human suffering. And I also understand like respecting history and being in a sacred place. Like there was such reverence mm-hmm. when they approached that space. And like you can, when you enter, like when I was 13, I went to England, Ireland, and Wales, and I remember there were certain spaces when you walk into those spaces, you feel how old they are. Like I said to Evan, it was almost like I could, like, like the air is different. Like you, you know, something has happened in that space. You just feel it. It just doesn't feel the same. And I, like, I can so imagine that there's so much weight in that space. And I, yeah, like, I just, I don't know. I just really felt for him, like, human to human, because I'll never be able to relate to that racial experience. But holy shit. Just, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. It was incredible. But And I love, and I love that they used food to share. I mean, we all love food, right? But to share, like, those connections. And then when, mm-hmm. Jesus, when they're all sitting around and they're eating at that table... And then he keeps going, well, yeah, you and your culture. And he goes, no, us, our culture. And you see it, like, hit him in the face. Like, it, it like, right. really. And it's like, yeah, man, like, that that is culture. Like, that is that is a thing that you have. And you get to take that back now. Like, mm-hmm. fuck, that's powerful. I just, oh, my God, I love this. Like, I've always... Evan knows I have such wanderlust. I want to. I want to see the world. I want to experience places like that village. I want to experience food and culture and people who live and think differently than I do, and not Americans, because uh, <laughs> those people are scary. But yeah. <laughs> I think particularly white Americans. Yes. Oof. Yeah. Um, and I think that this this show just kind of like reawakened a little bit of that for me because like. I, like I said, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I think it's an incredibly powerful thing. And I, I love that he's sharing this experience and how vulnerable and how personal. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. So. And I appreciate that we can like experiencing of those, those of us who don't and or can't are, are, are not able to travel to all these different places yeah. that there's a way for us to like experience a piece of it yep. on our couch. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, find this interesting as well, but I know there's no chance in my life that I'm going to be able to go to Africa and 
have that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but now I get to know about it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It was well, a great documentary about culture. Subpar mm-hmm. cooking show. I and that yeah, and okay. I, you know I love documentaries, so this is just like it's hitting me in so many places. I can and tell I, how engrossed I, Angela is in a show because the notes were a flying. Uh, Lots of writing stuff down, typing away. Yeah, just so well. Yeah, I wanted to learn. I feel bad about like the misleading on the cooking aspect. In fairness, like literally. No, no, that's not on you. I'm not blaming you at all. No, I know, I know, I know. But, like, I went for the title, which is about food. (laughs) It's right there in the title, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) And it wasn't not about food. (laughs) I will say it it is food adjacent. A lot of other things as well. It just Um, felt like, yeah, stepping into another world almost. Did you feel Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, I would more call this like a travel show than a food mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what, what was that? What was the, the, the chef that passed away? Bourdain. Yes. I was thinking about him too while I was watching it. This, is, so. It's got heavy Bourdain vibes. And yeah. like, I, when I, I used to watch that show, like, I, yes, you got food information in that show but it was about the experience more than mm-hmm. than let's say when we sit and watch great american cook-off or you know someone yeah, versus bobby chef. flay or you know those are those are <laughs> those are cooking shows this is this was this for what it was it it did well by it yeah. and that that's it. I'm just saying. <laughs> I didn't learn how to cook anything. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> but we did learn that yams and sweet potatoes are not the same thing. And I think where it gives you more appreciation for what you get and where it comes from. Like, I think I don't know. I think that was another takeaway of mine. Um, and like, what what was sacrificed? for us to have what we have today. Mm-hmm. Like what was given, what was taken like, and what was held on to? Like when they talk about resilience, like that, you know, they, they talked about like the space that they end where they were in a uh, Wida, like the barracoons, like more than a million people, more than a million people. Like, mm-hmm just stop and think about what that looks like, like what that takes away. Like we've talked about, you know, other shit, like, Oh my God, the weight of that. And the fact that there are still roads that are traveled that are the same roads that people had to walk down that have been, it's like the same clay. It's not like they paved over it and they're like, put up a little fucking Brown sign. Like, Oh, historic landmark. Like this is, (laughs) this is not that. Um, I just think it's, incredibly powerful i really felt moved by the show and affected by it and i think more so because i've been engrossing myself in gullah culture and realizing how incredibly fucking ignorant i am um so it was very it was moving and humbling i was um curious about your and evan's reaction to it 
um, from that aspect from you guys living in the South. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, well, again, I live in Wilmington, and Wilmington has one of the most ridiculous... I mean, we had the coup. We had the 1898 coup. Like, they literally chased out all of the black people in Wilmington and wanted... Like, there's a quote about, like, make the rivers run red with their blood. Like, I mean, it was incredibly horrible and violent and devastating and it it displaced so many people and for what like and i i do find that this is something i've asked people around me like i want to be more open to receiving this kind of knowledge and history and information and i want to be a better ally And I don't like, you know, that's the thing is always like, it's like, okay, stop asking us how to be a better ally white person, like just fucking do your research, figure it out. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, I feel as though a show like this is important for that. Um, But then also just because like I work with some really powerful advocates, uh, advocates in my area who have had incredible influences. And then I'm working with like teaching children and, and generations that are now growing up like you know i'm realizing like the importance of like do you understand the weight that is carried by those who came before you Mm -hmm. um and just i mean yeah it's it's different it's really different and uh to know like like the ignorance again like as a person growing up in the north i was like yeah the south cotton like nah man rice rice holy shit that was the crop like to the point where and they even said it in the second episode and i thought it was cool that they mentioned it because that's that was one of the fun i'm gonna say fun with very big air quotes uh facts that i learned was that like the land was so scarred from rice fields uh being developed here as part of the plantations that like you can see it from space oh boy yeah yeah like we moved this landscape like they're one of the guys says like they moved more more soil to make rice plantations in america than they did to build pyramids in egypt so like holy shit yeah like we we know slavery is a thing but i think the the level to which we took our ancestors took it um, white americans took it you know it's it's just so different and i i think like it's so easy when you've grown up in a place of privilege to to never have to think about mm-hmm. what that looks like like sure. what, like what's been taken like that's the thing i keep thinking about is like what was taken um yeah so i just have a lot of appreciation and respect and i'm glad that the show is shining some light on it and i hope that it's something that you know more people watch and if they do that they have takeaways and they have conversations and it makes them think about you know why it's important to support a black owned business and why the food we eat matters and why the history for that food matters and yeah well i think for what it's worth um that it's this does have two seasons so it clearly touched some audience um, yeah. When it premiered in May in 2021, enough that there was enough demand mm-hmm. to make because it's a, this is a Netflix joint. Yeah, Netflix doesn't make anything they don't want to make. Yeah. So it's true. Um, 
so the fact that there was a de- demand for a second season, and I don't know if there will be any more of that, but I will say I am uh, relieved to uh, to hear a positive response from this selection, because uh, on this podcast, we have talked about all different kinds of television, but... This is this is definitely not our normal fare of like educational, really deep, really somber and serious. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's good to to have TV teach us things. I loved this so much. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for listening to me ramble about it. Um, I just felt it it awakened something in me, and I feel very passionate. So. Oh, that makes me happy. Um, anybody have anything else to add? Nope. All right. Well, not anything of value. <laughs> I, I, I don't personally have any fascination at all whatsoever with African culture. So this show didn't really do much for me. I know that probably makes me sound like a horrible and sensitive racist, but I just, I don't, I don't see the same same uh, beauty, and I, I don't. I'm not mu- moved by it by the same way so many people are. So um, it was it was interesting. I learned a couple of things, uh, but I completely agreed with you that I thought just from a documentary perspective, it was just kind of a mess of like, all right, what what are we doing here? Like, is I, I get I I got pretty quick that it wasn't a cooking show, but like, all right, I see that you're talking about food a lot. But there's just an awful lot of watching you eat it and saying how good it is. And mm. I didn't think any of that food looked good, but that's just my taste. That it, it does not speak to my taste. But like I wasn't getting the uh when they were at the market talking about the history of like, you know, here's the hist like not just yay, a comical bit about yams, right? They're the yams and sweet potatoes. That's they're different things and I didn't know that. Isn't that interesting? But that conversation was interesting. They're talking about the ingredients and what their connections to culture is. Mm-hmm. I thought the next step was seeing like, all right, how did we learn how to pre- pre- prepare them? You know, what what is what is what what's the next step after that and it was just a whole lot of like say telling and not showing or like dude our ancestors were so innovative i'm not going to show you any of that i'm just going to tell you they're so innovative they, there's so much innovation and so much amazing stuff you're not going to see a fucking dime of it mm. but we're going to talk about it like it's just the most amazing thing ever like okay well show me you had my interest and then you crumpled it up and threw it in the garbage can mm. and I, I don't know. I was I was frustrated by the show. I didn't hate it by any stretch, um, but I, I just yeah. That that's my. Thoughts. I felt like it needed connective tissue. Yeah, it, that's it, needed, what it, it needed connective tissue, and it didn't it didn't follow up on the things that I'm interested in. So it's a really kind of a, that's that's some me shit right there. More than the the show's fault to to that extent. But uh, yeah, would you say that maybe all. in some ways it feels almost more like it's his vlog? <laughs> Like a yeah yeah. Well, that's what that's what he does. Like he's a he. he I mean, he did was a sommelier, but a, a right sommelier. 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 Um, but he he talks about food now, and and he was a chef, and like he, he that's he's trying. To, that's why I I expected it to be something different. Um, so well. 
I think, um, you know, they talk about like people who own a business maybe aren't that good at running a business because, you know, they have passion for whatever it is that their business does, but they don't have that business acumen. And I feel like that applies here to the show. Like he has passion for the food and the culture and the storytelling, but he doesn't have the knowledge of making a TV show. Mm. And that's what's missing. Did anyone else think it was kind of weird that, like, he didn't write the book that this title yeah. came from? Okay. I, I feel like he was the person who thought that this should be a TV show and got the permission from the author of the book to make it a TV show and, and to have her involved to a degree, but that she was never going to, like, make the show herself. Mm. And so I maybe suffered a little bit of in translation mm-hmm. in that way as well. Yeah, because I'll say the least compelling part for me was actually him. You know, mm-hmm. like everything that I was attaching to or latching onto is stuff that like inspired me because it helps inform other things I'm studying or learning about. Right. Like it enriches that for me. So I'm thankful because, like, he's creating that. But I'm curious to see what's going to happen because I'm going to end up watching all of this now. Um, cool. I'm curious. I'm, I want to see if, like, I'm going to connect to him or the other people that he interviews in the same way, especially because you know that it ends up back in the States. So, like, yeah, I don't know. The second episode, I didn't, like I said, I didn't get that far and I wasn't watching too, too much. Um so I wonder if it'll if it'll still uh, entice me after the second episode, and I'll let you know. Well, either way, however you felt about it, I appreciate that you all gave it a chance and uh, took took the chance took the opportunity to watch it and give us all your thoughts about it. Um, so that's all I have. Are you ready, Chris, with a spiel? This week's episode is not filmed before a live studio audience, but it is fueled by feedback from listeners like you, and you can get in touch with us in a multitude of ways. We have an official Geekade Discord, where there's an entire This Week's Episode channel dedicated to all things TV talk, and of course, the regular Geekade social media accounts linked to in the show notes. The four of us can be found in various ways. You can read my work at StoneAgeGamer.com and in the pages of Nintendo Force Magazine. Karen, where can people find you? At STM Stitches on uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Etsy. Angie, where can people find you? Internet. www.angelafernot.com. And Evan, where can people find you? TalesofCapeFear.com. If you need to know more about the shows we discussed tonight or what we'll be watching in the future, have a look at our show notes. And if you have any other questions at all, we can always be reached at mail at geekade.com. Just include the words this week's episode in the subject line so we know who you're trying to reach. This show is available anywhere fine podcasts are sold, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and more. And wherever you decide to listen, please like, comment, subscribe, and leave reviews because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, as always, keep your eyes on Geekade for more fresh original content. Back to you, Karen. Thanks, honey. Okay. Well, our rotation is moving right along, and next pick goes to Miss Angela. So, Angie, what do you got for us? Uh, It's going to be Resident Aliens, Season 3, Episode 1, Lone Wolf. Super pumped. Uh, I'm going to just put the little, I guess, side note here that I think all of us are going to want to watch more anyway. 
Uh, so by the time we record again, you know, maybe we'll just kind of keep in touch and let each other know how far along we've gotten in the episodes and see if we can do more than just one. But yeah, the show's back, baby. I need an excuse to watch it. So this is it. <laughs> yeah, we've already watched the first one. So we're all we're all on board with this. Well, fine. <laughs> all right. That's going to do it for this week's episode for all of us here. I'm Karen. I'm Angie. No hot sauce. No thank you. <laughs> well, hooray. The Flyers won. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Go Flyers. And this concludes our broadcast day.